As I stand at this pulpit and gaze into the countenances of this vast audience, there is just one word to describe you. It comes from my eight-year-old granddaughter, and that word is awesome. I suppose that most of you traveled our freeways to come to conference this weekend. It's a wonderful experience during the sunshine of summer to travel the freeways. Occasionally you can see the grandeur of majestic mountains and the mesmerizing surf of the sea all in one drive. But then when the traffic thickens, one forgets the seas, one forgets the mountains, and concentrates directly on the car ahead. It was on one such occasion when I noticed an interesting message printed on the bumper sticker which was affixed to the highly polished chrome bumper of a car that was weaving in and out of the traffic stream. The words on that bumper sticker were these, Honk if you love Jesus. No one honked. I suppose many were upset with the rudeness of the driver. But then who could possibly imagine that this would be an appropriate way to express love for the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer of all mankind? Such was not the pattern of Jesus of Nazareth. The importance of showing an abiding love daily was demonstrated convincingly by Jesus when he responded to the question, put forth by the inquiring lawyer when he boldly asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? Matthew records, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Mark concludes the account with the Savior's words, There is none other commandment greater than these. The answer which Jesus gave could not be faulted. His very actions gave credence to his words. He demonstrated a true love for his Heavenly Father by living the perfect life, by honoring the sacred mission which was his. Never was he haughty. Never was he puffed up in pride. Never was he disloyal. Ever was he humble. Ever was he sincere. Ever was he true. When he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, there to be tempted by that master of deceit, even the devil, though he was unhungered and weary, having fasted for forty days and forty nights, yet when he was given the most alluring proposals by that evil one, he showed us by example true courage by refusing to deviate from that which he knew to be right. When Jesus ministered among men, he blessed the sick. He caused the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the lame to walk. Jesus taught forgiveness by forgiving. He taught compassion by being compassionate. He taught devotion by giving of himself. Jesus taught by example. I love the words of the hymn, I stand all amazed 
at the love Jesus offers me, confused by the grace which so fully he proffers me. I tremble to know that for me he was crucified, that for me a sinner he suffered, he bled, and died. To show our love, is it necessary that we die? Some have. Far away in Melbourne, Australia, on an imposing site, is a beautiful war museum. As one walks through the silent corridors of that memorial, reading the tablets, marble tablets with words engraved upon them, which depict the acts of courage and bravery of men who paid the ultimate sacrifice, one can almost hear the roar of the cannon, the scream of the rocket, the cry of the wounded. At one and the same time, you can feel the exhilaration of victory and experience the despair of defeat. Right at the center of the memorial, below a skylight, is the theme for all to see. The words fairly stand up and speak to you. Greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for others. Is it necessary today that we go forward on the battlefield of war and lay down our lives? Not so. Ours is the responsibility to go forward on the battlefield of life and here with our actions and by our lives demonstrate a true love of God, a love of Jesus Christ, a true love of our fellow men. Such will be far more effective than clever words printed on bumper stickers of passing automobiles. Jesus taught, If ye love me, keep my commandments. He that hath my commandments and keepeth them, he it is that loveth me. And he that loveth me will be loved of my Father, and I shall love him, and shall minister unto him. Years ago, we used to dance to the words and the music of a popular song. The words are faint in memory, but they were these. It's easy to say I love you, easy to say I'll be true, easy to say these foolish things, but prove it by the things you do. Do you with me remember the words of the poem in primary? It was entitled, Which Loved Best? It's been a long time. I hope I can remember the words. I love you, mother, said little John, then forgetting his work his cap was on, and he was off to the garden swing, leaving mother the wood and the water to bring. I love you, mother, said Rosie Nell. I love you more than words can tell. So she teased and she pouted half the day, till mother rejoiced when she went to play. <laughs> I love you, mother, said little Fan. Today I'll help you all I can. How glad I am that school doesn't keep. So she rocked the baby till it fell asleep. Then stepping softly, she fetched the broom swept the floor and tidied the room. Busy and happy all day was she, busy and happy as a child could be. I love you, mother, again they said, three little children going to bed. Now how do you think that mother guessed which of them really 
loved her best. Time passes. Childhood vanishes. Truth remains. The transition from primary's poems to today's truths is not difficult. True love continues to be an outward expression of an inward conviction. Far away from here, on a gentle slope in the historic city of Freiburg in the German Democratic Republic, there stands a magnificent, dedicated temple of God, a holy temple where a loving Heavenly Father can give to His faithful children the most precious of all blessings. That temple is a miracle. It is a series of miracles. Ten years ago, on a Sunday morning, April 27, 1975, I stood on an outcropping of rock between the cities of Meissen and Dresden, high above the Elbe River in the German Democratic Republic, and there offered an extemporaneous prayer of dedication upon that land and upon its people. In that prayer, I prayed for peace, that peace would prevail in a nation and among a people which had been ravaged by war. I prayed for divine help, for divine help was needed. I prayed for our wonderful, faithful members who desired with all of their hearts to receive temple blessings, but temple blessings had not come to them. At the time of dedication, the focus of the international press was upon this area. But there was another phrase in that prayer which I remember even today when I said, Heavenly Father, let this be the dawning of a new day for this land and our people. Suddenly, from far below in the valley, a bell in a church steeple began to chime. A shrill crow of a rooster shattered the Sabbath silence, each heralding the event of a new day. Suddenly, though my eyes were closed in prayer, I felt the warmth of sunshine upon my face and upon my hands. But how could this be, I thought? An incessant rain has been falling all morning. At the conclusion of the prayer, I immediately gazed heavenward, and there I beheld a ray of sunshine piercing the thick cloud cover and encompassing the little spot where our small group stood, warming our faces, warming our hands, warming our hearts. At that moment, I knew that divine help was at hand. Before we could return to our automobiles, the sunshine was gone, the rain again began to fall. But God had given us that witness that His help would be there. President Spencer W. Kimball and his counselors encouraged the project of a temple. The help of government authorities could not have been better. Plans were drawn, a site selected, groundbreaking exercises held, and a temple of God commenced. As I've indicated at that day of dedication, 
and before. Every newspaper, every television station of which I'm aware, focused attention on the city of Freiburg. Questions like how, how in the world a temple in the German Democratic Republic? Why? This was particularly so during the open house when 89,872 persons, twice the population of the city, stood in line up to three and four hours, sometimes in the rain, to enter the house of God. No one wavered. Everyone entered the house of God. It was a sight to behold. On the day of dedication in July, when President Gordon B. Hinckley offered the dedicatory prayer, there were songs of thanksgiving, there were prayers of praise, there were testimonies of truth, but above all, there were tears of gratitude. To answer the question why, how, one must understand the people. Although fewer than 5,000 in number, never have I seen a group whose faithfulness is greater, whose record of activity is superior to that group. In all of my years of assignment there, I have noted the conspicuous absence of beautiful, spacious chapels, the absence of verdant green lawns with flowering shrubs and trees, the meeting house libraries and the libraries of our members consist of the standard works, perhaps a hymn book, maybe one other volume. But those books do not remain on bookcase shelves. The teachings are engraved in the hearts of the members, and they are displayed in their daily lives. Service is a privilege. One man, 42 years of age, has been a branch president for 21 years, half his life. Resign? Of course not. He loves to serve. In the city of Leipzig one cold winter, when the ancient furnace just quit and could not be repaired throughout the entire winter, were meetings canceled? Of course not. The members dressed in their warmest came to the meeting house and there stood shoulder to shoulder in the Relief Society room and sang the songs of Zion. They worshipped Almighty God and they remembered Him who said, Be thou humble, and I, the Lord, will take thee by the hand and give thee answer to thy prayers. Be not weary in well-doing. Come, follow me. This is why and this is how that temple stands today. Those members of the Church love the Lord their God. They love Jesus Christ. They love His glorious gospel, and they demonstrate it by their lives. As the Apostle Paul said to the Corinthians, If any man love God, he is known of Him. A loving Heavenly Father simply could not withhold His blessings from His children where they had demonstrated their faith, and that faith preceded the miracle. 
To those who love Jesus, his words are particularly comforting when he said, Hear, O ye heavens, and give ear, O earth, and rejoice, ye inhabitants thereof. For the Lord is God, and beside him there is no Savior. Great is his wisdom, marvelous are his ways, and his purposes fail not. For thus saith the Lord, I, the Lord, am merciful and gracious unto those who fear me, and delight to honor those who serve me in righteousness and in truth unto the end. Great shall be their reward, and eternal shall be their glory. My prayer today is that each one of us may qualify for that great reward, that eternal glory, for which I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, whom I love, and of whom I testify in his holy name. Amen.